Happy spring, almost summer. Uh, welcome back to those of you who play spring sports that were not fortunate enough to make it to the playoffs, so you're back with us. Uh, welcome. It's good to see good to see some faces back. Welcome to anybody who's new with us over this last little bit. This is a, a fun time, some exciting things going on. All right, three things I want to cover really quick, and then you got to listen fast because i got a lot to, to go through tonight. Um, the first is, last week, my brother and my friend Chris Dew preached. We had 19 people make a decision to follow Jesus, which is awesome. So it's always cool to see. It's not, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see. So that's really cool. The other thing is, we got um, the weekend coming up here at the end of the summer, which is going to be awesome. I know a lot of you guys are signed up. We're about to, tonight, we'll probably cross the 1,000 mark of signups, which is pretty awesome. May 30th is the last day you can sign up. Let me explain this to some of you who are trying to explain what the weekend is to some of your friends. Let me just free you up a little bit. This is not the gauntlet. Okay, so relax, right, if you ever went to the gauntlet and you're trying to convince your friends, like, this is going to be the gauntlet in Anderson or Greenwood. It's not, okay? We're intentionally not doing that. Here's why. Gauntlet was awesome. Can't really say much bad about it. But the truth is, we don't have to get in a bus and go eight hours to experience revival. And in fact, I think what's happening and what we're seeing happen in a lot of people in the church today is we've relied on big, huge experience big worship, a big arena, a big big lights, big sound to actually teach us how to love the presence of God and follow Jesus. And so when you take that away for a year with COVID, you have so many people losing ground in their relationship with God because they, they got you know paralyzed with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend a weekend in our hometowns with each other and the Bible and prayer and worship, and we're going to learn how to host revival in our own hometowns, and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to have a ton of fun. It's going to be ridiculous. So uh, make sure you're there. Last thing I want to say, and then we're going to jump in. I got a lot to cover. And my voice, I'm losing my voice because of pollen. But <clears throat> we're starting a new series on the church tonight for the next four weeks. May, we're covering the church. And I'll explain that. But basically the point is, um, part of the message tonight I'll get to you. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the entire chapter. So 47 verses tonight. So you've got to be ready. You've got to be either be reading along or you've got to be listening along and, and really trying to pay attention because there's so much in this. Okay. But here's the deal. You and I have got to expand our understanding of the church. Too many of us, we grow up in a church. You go to one church your whole life. And so you think church, you think one building in one town, in one part of town with one group of people. And so then you graduate and you go to college in another town. And you don't get involved in a church anywhere because church to you is one building in one place with one group of people. Or you get a job one day and they move you to another city in another part of the United States and you don't get involved in church because in your mind, church is one group of people, one place, one building. And it's not that. It's not even close to that. And so what we've got to do is we've got to spend some time as, as you, young men and women, as you're you know, framing your, your decision anchors for the rest of your life, we need to teach you a bigger picture and a bigger understanding of what the church is, okay? So in order to do that, I'm going to just basically read to you where the church comes from. But before we do, I got a question for you. Um, think in your mind, do any of you remember your birthday? No, well, thanks. But I don't mean like your last birthday. I mean like the day you were born. <coughs> Mine was Saturday. Happy birthday. Um, of course you don't, right? Silly question. But I um, have now been in the room standing there when all three of my children have been born. And let me, let me tell you guys something about birthdays, okay? They are amazing and disgusting. They are exciting and horrible. 
they are the most beautiful emotional things you've ever experienced and you will throw up because it's awful. The point is, it's anything but neutral, right? Like anybody in here who, you know, you maybe, I don't know, maybe you have a younger cousin or somebody that you were like, you were around right after they were born, like, or maybe you have a mom or dad that works as a nurse or something like that, a doctor. And anybody will tell you when they're there to experience the birth of a baby that it is like dramatic, okay, dramatic. I'll never forget when our second kid was born, my wife went from like, she literally, she said, hey, can you call the nurse? I feel like we're getting close. And the nurse comes in and she, you know, takes a look and she goes, she pulls her legs down. She goes, don't push. I can see his head. Call the doctor. She's like, we need a doctor in here. Three nurses, blah, blah, blah. And they come in there. She pushes twice. The baby's here. And it's like, what just happened? Like, it just, I didn't even get to experience that. It was so fast. It was so crazy. But it was so dramatic. Like, I'm a pretty, like, I'm pretty good under pressure. I'm not. I'm awful under pressure. But I, in my mind, I'm really good under pressure. And in that moment, I'm just like, I'm glad that there are women here that are significantly sturdier human beings than me, just like emotionally, because I am all over the place, right? And they're there. Well, the church has a birthday. The church has a time, like, there is a time and a date in history where the church, the family of God, the global family of God that makes up all people, all nations, all cultures, all languages, all age groups, everybody all over the world that's in the family of God through Christ, there was a day when that church didn't exist. And now there's a day where it exists. So in order to tell you about the birthday of the church, I need you to go in your mind, not to a hospital room, but to a city, all right? This city is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, several thousand years ago, there would have been people in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot. Everybody say Shavuot. It's a Hebrew word. It's okay if you can't pronounce it correctly. Now, when I say feast, don't think feast like Thanksgiving. Think feast like a parade. A lot of people downtown, street vendors, a lot of people in the streets, they're there to celebrate. The Feast of Shavuot was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. The Passover, if you'll remember, is when God performed the miracles to get the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt. And so they're in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. So let's pick it up in the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. I'm going to get there. When the day of Pentecost, Pente is 50, 50 days after the Passover arrived, they were all together in one place, okay? So there's this upper room in Jerusalem where the disciples of Jesus, this is the timeline, right? Jesus has died on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead. He has appeared to the disciples to affirm his resurrection and to give them instructions about what to do. And he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Before you go out and start telling the world about me, go to Jerusalem and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. So they're in the upper room and they're praying. Men, women, older women, older men, like they're all there together. They're praying, they're waiting on. They don't know when the Holy Spirit's gonna come. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is gonna be. They don't know what it's gonna be like. They're just in the upper room praying. And then Acts chapter two, verse two. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered. It felt chaotic because each person was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed, astonished, saying, are not all these that are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? There's Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to another, what does this mean? But others mocked them, saying, they're filled with new wine. People thought they were drunk because it was so chaotic. Because you have people from all different parts of the Roman Empire at the time that were Jews, and they're here in Jerusalem, and they're hearing Galileans, which was basically they were hearing people from Anderson. They're speaking the gospel, the good news message of Jesus, in all the languages of all the different parts of the Roman Empire. And it doesn't sound like chaos like this. They could hear in their language, and they're amazed. Okay? So in all of this chaos, somebody's got to make sense of this. So Peter, the apostle Peter, he stands up, and he rips the sickest message of all time. And I'm going to read this, and you've got to listen close, because Peter roasts everyone. Okay? Peter gets up, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, standing with the 11, verse 14, lifts up his voice and he addressed them. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here, so just get ready. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people aren't drunk like you think. It's only the third hour of the day. He's like, dude, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. It shall come to pass that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he gets ready to go. After he finishes quoting the prophet Joel, he's, he, he, here he goes. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And Peter is speaking to all of his Jewish brothers and sisters who have just crucified Jesus, who are now amazed at what they're seeing. He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised him up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
He's poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus that you crucified. Now look at this. Now when they heard this, what did they just hear? They just heard the gospel. As clear as day, they just heard the gospel. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brother, what shall we do? And Peter says to every one of them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then verse 40, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And there you have the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. It starts in a city in Jerusalem thousands of years ago, and you're here today. You may be in Myrtle Beach, you may be in Florence, you may be in Clemson. But you're here today in South Carolina hearing the same exact gospel that the Jewish apostle Peter stood up filled with the Holy Spirit and preached to all of these thousands of people on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and the church was born. It's the same message. And so over the last 2,000 years, there have been men and women who hear the gospel message that because of their sin, they're separated from God. But because of the love of God in the man, Jesus Christ, they have the ability to have their whole world reconciled, their whole life reconciled. Not just the promise of eternal life one day, but right now the experience of abundant, overflowing life with God here now. It's fascinating. It's the same message. It's the same gospel that Peter preached, that we preach to you, that one day many of you will stand up and preach to others. This is the church. And so over the last 2,000 years, there have been men and women of every different background, every culture, every color, every tribe, and every tongue, who this same gospel message makes its way to them, and they get grafted into and brought into the family of God. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to talk about this church, and we're going to talk about why this church matters, who makes up this church. Next week, I'm going to spend some time talking about what early Christian church life was like. And how in some ways, we don't need to keep making progress. We need to go back. You know, the culture's moving so fast. It's so forward. It's so progressive. In a lot of ways, we need to go way back. And I mean way back to like the first century when Christians were Christians. When they did the things that they had seen Jesus do and teach. And it took over the entire Roman Empire. We're going to get into that next week. And we're going to have some people come in and talk about what God's doing in the world right now. Because if you're not careful, and all this is not you, this is all of us. We live our lives extremely consumed and obsessed with ourselves because that's what we've been taught to do. Take care of yourself, dress yourself, worry about yourself, plan for yourself, and you think that everything God's doing in the world has something to do with you, and it just doesn't. There's people getting saved in India right now. There's Chinese churches meeting underground right now. God is doing the same thing he's doing here and in your city. He's doing it all over the earth right now. And we're going to hopefully hear some really cool things and see some cool things from some places that God's doing some amazing stuff in. My, I want to tell you what I want to pray for for you, and then we're going to go into some worship. <clears throat> so I know you know this. We're going to spend some time at the weekend going through this. 
the vision of this ministry, okay? Fuse, I, I, hope, I hope it's so much fun. Like, I hope it's silly. I hope you make some really lasting relationships. Like, I hope it's all of those things. But far and away, this ministry exists so that you can graduate into a lifetime of following Jesus. Like, we want to see 60, 70, 80-year-old men and women faith-filled, walking with God, handing down the works of God to another generation. And I want every one of you at every campus to be able to point back to the days when you were in youth group and somebody was helping you understand the purpose of the church across the world. I promise you, if you don't believe me now, give me five years, we'll talk about it. Somebody in this room is gonna be in the nations somewhere in the earth telling people about Jesus. Somebody's gonna wake up in the middle of the night, you're gonna have a dream and God is gonna be speaking to your heart about going to the nations and telling people about Jesus. You're gonna be in Zimbabwe or you're gonna be somewhere in the Middle East. You're gonna be somewhere telling people about Jesus. You're gonna be going, I'm so glad in my youth group, I sat down and I talked about the church and why it matters. I can't believe what God's doing. Some of you, you're gonna graduate high school. You're gonna get a scholarship to go play a sport at a school somewhere out of state. And you're gonna get there, and in the first three weeks of being on campus, you're gonna have to decide what you're gonna do about church. And you're gonna go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that when I was in youth group, we spent time talking about the purpose of the church. Because I don't have to make church about me. I don't have to look for the place that has the best music and the preacher that I always like and the people that look the certain way. No, no, no. You're gonna find the place, a community, the family of God, and you're gonna invest yourself there. You're gonna do it, and it's gonna change your life. Some of you are, you're gonna get a job and they're gonna ship you to some big city in the United States and pay you a fortune so you can give a lot of money back to New Spring so we can keep doing Fuse forever. But when they do that, you're gonna get to your city and you're gonna have such a heart for people of God. And you're gonna find a church community and you're gonna get invested and you're gonna be blown away that in this place you've never been to, there have been Christians just like you for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years keeping the family of God going, keeping the message of the good news of Jesus Christ going on and on and on. But it's not just gonna happen. It's not just gonna happen by reading your Bible a couple of times in high school and hearing a couple of good messages. It takes work, it takes commitment. It takes commitment and conversation. So when you go to Fuse Group, when you sit down with your group, some of us need to have some conversation about where you currently are with what you think about church. You don't have to apologize for being somewhere that you are but you gotta start there. Some of you need to have a conversation about how much you value the church of God, the family of God, and the impact it's having in your life. Have some conversation about that. So you have some church hurt. You got somebody at church, probably me, who really made you mad at some point. They did something, they said something, they forgot something, and it drove you crazy, and so you kinda are, you're like this. You're, in your mind, you're like, I love Jesus, I just don't love church, and that's just not it. Wherever you are, Wherever, you're, wherever you are emotionally, spiritually in your walk, I want you to have some conversation about that. You know what else I want you to have some conversation about? Who in your friend group is in the family of God and they're not in church right now? And they're trying to do this on their own. Who needs to be here? You don't have to shame them. You don't have to like kidnap them or whatever. But I'm telling you, people like being invited into stuff, especially when it matters. So I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing some songs or we're gonna go into group time, whatever we're gonna do at your campus. And, and I just want you to know this. Tonight, I said and I told you, some of you are gonna end up preachers in the nations. Some of you are gonna end up living in cities, getting plugged in in new churches. It's not gonna happen next week because you're all still gonna be here. 
but I promise you in four or five years, if Instagram's still a thing, you're going to be sending us stuff on Instagram saying, I can't believe I'm here and I'm doing this. All right? You got to trust me. All right, let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's stand up and let's pray. Holy Spirit, in the same way that you, you flooded the upper room and you, you began a brand, you birthed a brand new thing into the world, this, this, this family of God that now is, is not just reserved for this elect group of Jews that live in this very small place in this very finite time in history, but no, it's open to all of us. This family of God where people who make mistakes and people who have regrets and people like us, God, where we're allowed to be a part, we're so grateful. We love this church. We love the church. We love your church. We love your bride, your family, this, this crazy thing that you've made where all of us get to play a part. I just think, I think about the, the, the world of business where you're only going to make it if you just, if you've got it. And that's not the church. We all get a part to play. I think about sports growing up and how much pressure there was and how much anxiety there was, how much performance had to happen. And that's just, that's not the way the church is. You accept us, you welcome us. We have the one message in the world that everybody needs to hear. That here in this family of God, we can all find our place. Whether this is our first night in church anywhere, or whether we've been every Wednesday since we were a baby. God, I love you. I'm so grateful for the church. I'm grateful for everybody in the church who's made such an impact in my life. For all the, the young men and women that are in here right now that are making such an impact in the world and they don't even realize it yet. Those who will go on to do things in this world that we wouldn't believe. We're grateful for God. We say yes to it. So I ask, Holy Spirit, will you come in these next few moments? Will you guide our worship? Will you guide our conversations? Will you help us to focus on Christ, to treasure Him in the same way that these early believers did as they stood in the upper room and prayed and cried and waited on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name.